We're receiving about 15 to 16 million page views a day. Uh, in the first week of the game being out, the subreddit accrued 92 million views from 8 million unique users. That is more views than the top three other subreddits combined. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting in my head. And I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths that people take in life. And in today's episode, we're exploring the path of being into the video game Pokemon Go, which is like the craziest sensation since the Beatles. For uh, It's a game for phones that you can play on like iPhone, Android, whatever. I'm just going to assume that all of you have heard of it. It would be basically impossible for you to have not heard of this game over the past week. And I got basically the best person in the world on the show to talk about it. And that is Sebastian Lamericks, who is one of the moderators for the Pokemon Go subreddit, which has only been a thing for a couple weeks now and it already has over a half million people subscribed to the subreddit um, Sebastian gives us more stats about the Reddit, which are absolutely incredible. Um, like it is currently getting more page views than the other top three Reddits combined. And keep in mind that this thing just started. And the stats on the video game are absolutely staggering as well. It already has more users than Twitter. It, it's it's just it's honestly unbelievable. So Sebastian will go over all kinds of stuff about the game for us. So if you know nothing about the game, you've just kind of heard word of mouth things about it but nothing has been confirmed we've never hopped on sebastian will tell us all about what the game is actually like and um and then answer all kinds of other questions that i had about the game and we'll talk about the business model for the entire thing and um and then just uh what's going on on his reddit side of things right now which is just blowing up and absolutely insane so anyways um uh, before i kick it over to the interview just wanted to mention a uh, huge thanks to anyone that's been giving to the show on patreon if you notice today the the show is back to being under one feed. There is no longer the half hour intern year one and then the regular half hour intern feed. It's all just one single feed. And that's because thanks to those of you that have donated money on Patreon, I was able to change my host over to SoundCloud. So thank you so much for all of you that have donated because there are already awesome things happening because of it. Without further ado, here is Pokemon Go expert. Sebastian, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I think I'd like to know, are you guys getting asked to do like a ton of interviews right now? Because I cannot remember the last time anything went more viral than this. I, I cannot be the first person that asked you to, to do an interview. Uh, no, we have received a number of, you know, business and media inquiries over the last week, week and a half. Uh, this is actually the first one we've done purely because it was, you know, easy to get a quick turnaround. It was Looking at the podcast, it was something we were actually interested in, and it was something we were able to schedule around the stuff that we're already doing with the subreddit. That is so awesome. I love that. That's so cool, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely so, no problem. Yeah. So uh, first of all, for anyone listening to this that has maybe seen posts about it, but they are still like totally in the dark, let's start with the most basic of basic, which is just like, what is Pokemon Go? Uh, Pokemon Go is an alternate reality game, or ARG, developed by Niantic and the Pokemon Company, in which you, on your mobile phone, 
go around in the real world, you leave your house and walk to a place. There's in the game, there's points of interest which correlate to real world locations like churches or statues, memorials, that kind of thing. Important things in a real world. You interact with these. And in addition to this, Pokemon will spawn in the real world. And when you're walking past a certain area, maybe you're walking down a lake and you'll find a Squirtle at the lake because Squirtles are water Pokemon, so they'll be near water areas. And you can then use the app to try to catch this Pokemon that has spawned in the real-world location that you are standing at. It's super awesome, man. So, actually, you know what? I should just ask you right now. Have you ever um, gone geocaching before? Have you ever done that? Uh, I haven't actually actively participated in the geocaching community. I've played Ingress for several years before Pokemon Go, which was Niantic's previous game, and stumbled upon geocaches while playing that. And I know a lot of uh, people who geocache heavily through that community, but I've never done it myself. Okay, cool, man. So I, I enjoyed geocaching. So then I had someone from geocaching on the show to talk about it, to kind of spread the word. And I mean, Pokemon Go is just the exact same thing. It, like what you were just saying about like a certain type being down by the water, a certain type over here. I downloaded Pokemon Go a few days ago on my phone and I, it, it's funny because I've seen these memes on the internet that I'm sure you've seen everywhere of like photos of like, like people's fitness photos, like before and after, like when they were overweight and then when they're just like <laughs> shredded and ripped and it's like, you know, like, thanks Pokemon Go. Like now I'm shredded because Pokemon Go came out. And it's funny because I really have been getting more fit since in the past three days since I've been playing Pokemon Go because I'll, I'll like go outside for like a little walk. And then I'll just decide to go for a run and I'll just run further and further because I keep on catching these freaking Pokemon on my phone. And I absolutely love that. And I loved that so much about geocaching too, um, especially in a cool place like San Francisco where there's a lot of them. It really makes you explore your city more and explore your area more. And um, it, it really motivates you to get out and go for a walk or to go for a run or whatever it is. Um, and you could, you could make fun of the idea of Pokemon Go as much as you want and say that that's silly and you should just go for a run or whatever. But I think as people, we need motivation for the most part. You know, you need to be motivated to do things. And when you get to have fun while you're going for a run or whatever, which in my opinion is not very much fun, um, that's just a great thing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, as I mentioned before, I've played Ingress for some significant amount of time, which is the same Thing as Pokemon Go, really. It's in the same genre, which is an ARG, alternate reality game. And before I started playing Ingress, I would only leave the house to go to work, basically. I, I wouldn't go for a walk. I would never explore my neighborhood. In the two and a half years I've played Ingress, I've walked, I'll just check in the application here, slightly under 8,400 kilometers playing the game. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a lot. And it's not even near how much some people do. There's a, one of the most active players in three years has walked over sixteen uh, sorry over sixteen thousand kilometers, and I imagine it's just going to be even higher for Pokemon Go, considering the sheer number of people that are massively interested in it. Yeah. So talk about how that his uh, playing that game and now playing Pokemon Go has changed your life then, and I guess your experience of living in your neighborhood. Well, when, when I first started playing Ingress, um, I, I was living in Adelaide. I still do, but I was living in a different part of Adelaide. And I'd been living there for about a year at the time. When I started playing Ingress, on the second day, 
I found out that there was a botanic park 500 meters from my house that I had never noticed. (laughs) In my defense, it was hidden behind a lot of trees. There were no signs or anything. But I found out there was this massive, open, beautiful park full of flora and a waterfall a minute walk from my house. And I... I've encountered a lot of really interesting and engaging things playing uh, Ingress and in the short time it's been out Pokemon Go before, but I think that really encapsulates what these games are about, and that's showing you what's around you. Yeah, absolutely, man. That that is what it's about. Um, so you mentioned that there are that you feel like this impact with Pokemon Go will be greater. So how many people are playing Pokemon Go right now? Do we know that? Uh, we don't have an exact number of how many people are playing it because it's been out a week. It's only it came out in some parts of Europe, Portugal, Italy, uh, I think one other country that I can't recall off the top of my head today as we're recording. Before yesterday, it was only available in Australia, New Zealand, and the United States. Despite it only being available in three out of the two hundred ish countries, it was the most used app sorry the most used game on both the android play store and the ios app store and it just yesterday on mobile devices gained more users than twitter that is twitter has been around for a decade or so at this point pokemon go has been out for seven days yeah and like you said for seven days only in three countries Exactly, it's been out in three countries, and it has more users than tw- has more users than Twitter has globally. That's so, <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, we don't know exactly how many people are playing it, but it's a lot. Okay. It, it's everyone. I I went down to a uh, Hungry Jack's, which for the Americans listening is basically Burger King, except in Australia. Uh, I I just went there and had some lunch. In the time it took me to finish my lunch, I saw 13 people playing Pokemon Go come into the restaurant. <laughs> Just because they were catching Pokemon on their phone while they were in the restaurant? Yeah, but there was a point of interest that I'd actually put there uh, a year previous, previously. Sorry, uh, There was a point of interest I'd put there that was in Pokemon Go. So people were going there to visit it, presumably having lunch there because they could have lunch and also play the game at the same time while sitting there. So, and this is, this isn't in, you know, the downtown area of a large city. This is out in the middle of the suburbs in an area that's, I had never expected that. I never would have imagined that any video game could get that kind of activity just in some random obscure location. Okay. So you just touched on a lot of things that I want to ask about. Um, So let me try to like break them apart in order. Um, and before I guess we do any of that, just so people can follow along, if you can as quickly as possible, like one minute or less, explain to us how you play Pokemon Go. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you have to walk around to specific locations. There's a few uh, elements in the game. There's what are called Poke Stops, which are some of these points of interest I mentioned earlier, where you just visit these, uh, do a small little mini game you basically just spin a thing on your screen and you get items from these such as pokeballs potions revives that kind of thing uh there's also obviously the pokemon spawns which are just everywhere in general it's mostly randomly generated across the entire map 
So, you know, you could be walking through a field or down a walking trail or even in a zoo and um, you'll just uh, your phone will vibrate and a Pokemon will appear on your screen. Depending on where you are, it can be a different type of Pokemon. You'll get, you know, like a Geodude in the mountains or a Squirtle down at a lake or a Magmar in an active volcano. And yes, we have gone to active volcanoes to test this. And then you'll get those Pokemon and then go to gyms, which are other points of interest. They're much rarer than Pokestops. There's about 30 Pokestops per gym. So one in every 30 of these important locations is a gym. And you can battle whoever has their Pokemon on that gym with the ones you have caught. And if you defeat them, you can then put your Pokemon on that gym and you can be the gym leader until someone else comes past and battles you. And if they're successful, then they are, and so on and so forth. Okay, so the quick synopsis is that the main part, I guess, is catching Pokemon by just finding them. Like you said, your phone buzzes and you throw Pokeballs at them and you catch them. Then there are these Poke stops where you can get more items, like more Pokeballs, more things like that for free just by coming across these Pokestops, these points of interest on your phone. And then there's gyms where you can battle your Pokemon against other Pokemon. Is that about it? That's basically the rundown, yes. Okay, cool. So you mentioned being at this, uh, and I forget the name of it, but you're, you're Australian Burger King, and, uh, and you were saying that you had kind of made that a, a point of interest about a year ago. So how did you get started? Was there some sort of closed beta on this game that you were able to be a part of um, that other people were not able to be a part of? Well, there was a closed beta of Pokemon Go specifically in Japan, Australia, and New Zealand, and the United States uh, in three different waves. I was actually a part of this beta. But the submission of these points of interest was actually all ported over from Ingress players over the last three years. They're the same port. They're called portals in Ingress as opposed to Pokestops. But Ingress players over the last three, nearly four years now, have submitted these portals all over the world. Something to the effect of eight million of them. Whoa! Uh, and I, I'd submitted several hundred of them myself across all of Australia. And the one at this restaurant happened to be one I'd submitted, which is why I was kind of shocked at the activity there, just because I'd been playing Ingress for years with this location and had never seen anything like it. But with regards to the actual beta, uh, Niantic, which is the company that made the game, contacted a a, a 1,000 to 1,500 people from each region, so 1,500 from Japan, 1,200 from Australia, a thousand from the United States to test out the game and just make sure it was actually ready for release. Um, it, it wasn't. If you were looking at the how it performed on the first day, no one expected it to get the traffic it did, so the servers died horribly. I feel kind of bad for them because, like, I, I play video games, so it's like I get it. Like, I, I understand that your servers are only meant to handle a certain amount of traffic. And if you, it, you know, you can build your servers to hand your servers to handle any amount of traffic, but you had to have anticipated that amount of traffic to make your product work properly. Um, and God, there, there was just no way for them to anticipate that this is what was going to happen. Yeah, it, it was an absolutely ridiculous just surge of popularity that absolutely no one expected. Niantic included, ourselves as moderators of the Pokemon Go subreddit included, just fans of the series. No one expected this. It's immense. 
Yeah, but I mean, yeah, <clears throat> it really has led to a lot of problems. I mean, I, I can't usually have it going on my phone for more than like three or four minutes without it freezing on me. Yeah, that's a, a bit of an unusual issue. There's, there's some problems that have happened, but broadly speaking, it, there was an update released earlier this morning as of the time of the recording. I'm not sure when this will actually go up, but that seems to have fixed most of the stability issues. But yeah, as, especially considering they've only officially released it to, I think, six countries now. Imagine what it's going to be like with 200 countries of people playing this game. <laughs> yeah, so, no kidding. It, it's absolutely no surprise that they're having a lot of issues trying to keep it all you know, nice and running. But I think that only highlights the sheer popularity of the game and shows that once it is stable and you know, people can actually play it uh, without too much interruption, that is going to be something unparalleled in terms of cultural phenomena. Yeah, I could not agree more. So you mentioned that the original Pokestops and gyms were kind of decided by the players of Ingress. So now this game launched when I was in visiting Phoenix, Arizona last week. And when I was there, I would I like downloaded the app and I was just driving uh, in a car as the passenger and looking at my phone and uh, looking at like what were various Pokestops and what were various gyms and stuff like that. And particularly gyms, because you need to go to a gym to even be able to do an entire part of the game, like battling, which is a big part of the game. And like some of the gyms would be, let's say, like a donut shop or something like that. And I was just like, my God, like this person that owns this donut shop did not know that this was going to or, or and then my head started swimming like but did they know this was going to happen like did they somehow like talk to the people that made the game or what but like they it, it just has to like business has to be booming at these places that are pokestops and particularly gyms right now how are they have they spoken out about like how they're going to choose these things going forward like i can imagine that like really getting out of hand as a conflict of interest of you know uh, pokey gyms go to the highest bidder and companies paying whatever like fifty thousand dollars to become a pokey gym well there has been in ingress there was actually a precedent set where uh, a few companies like lawson which is uh, a japanese company and there was axa which is an insurance company in japan and some parts of europe and the united states i believe where they gave niantic a large amount of money and then all of their business locations were made portals in Ingress. And there's a lot of indication that the same thing's going to happen in Pokemon Go, where there's an icon in the application files for McDonald's. So a lot of people are saying there's probably going to be a sponsorship deal with McDonald's, but we haven't got any official word on that yet, so that's just me speculating. With regards to, like, you mentioned a donut shop, those kind of things are just the Ingress players who submitted them trying to submit anything they possibly can for the sake of just having something, you know, near their house or on their commute to work. Um, A a lot of people submitted a lot of things. For instance, I'm currently looking at uh, Phoenix, just because you mentioned it, and there's somewhere in the region of 8,000 points of interest in Phoenix alone. So there's a lot of these that have been submitted. And, yeah, business is booming at any locations that happen to be or be near Pokestops or gyms. I know in Australia where coffee shops in the inner central business districts are a huge phenomenon, 
there are these coffee shops paying Pokemon Go players to sit in those shops all day, uh, putting Pokemon laws on these Pokestops, which are basically an item in-game which will make more Pokemon spawn in that area. Because the idea is, if there's this big flashing thing in the game saying, come here and you get more Pokemon, people will go there, see that there's a coffee shop there, and buy coffee. So businesses are really making uh, a lot of a focus on the game right now because it's just generating so much traffic through their stores. As I mentioned earlier, I saw 13 people come through a single suburban restaurant at about 2 p.m. on a weekday playing Pokemon Go, and all of them bought something. Yeah, More people so great for the business. This restaurant. More people bought food from this restaurant playing this game than other people did. So this is definitely not only a, a massive cultural phenomenon in terms of people playing it, but also a, an enormous thing for businesses who are just seeing a ridiculous amount of foot traffic through their specific locations that they're obviously going to want to, I don't want to say take advantage of, but they're going to want to engage in some way. Well, I mean, it. God, it's like, I, I honestly, like, it's it's so unprecedented. So there's nothing really to compare it to. I mean, you mentioned the fact that this now basically has more users than Twitter, which is absolutely unthinkable. And think about the valuation that Twitter has. Twitter by itself is over a billion dollar company. And, and I imagine that this video game company was not a billion dollar company before this game was released. But what, like, what... I, I mean, God, like the amount of money that these people can command, like when Twitter, all, all that Twitter can do is do advertisements just like anyone else, just regular old ads. But I mean, the, the this Pokemon Go format is like nearly guaranteed results for your business and it's passive. And it's, I mean, we're moving into this world where everyone wants to market in more and more um subliminal ways if if that makes any sense like that's kind of the wrong way to put it but like uh on the show i've already interviewed somebody that owns a influencer marketing company so we learned all about influencer marketing and how companies now want to have people on twitter who are like twitter famous or people who are youtube famous or people who are instagram famous just talk about their products um because it comes off as more genuine and it comes off as less of an ad and there's a lot of people that just don't like seeing ads you know um, so businesses would almost rather pay for an influencer than to pay for a traditional ad. What better way to spend your money than to just like fork it over to this game company and make your place a Pokestop or a Pokegym? I think you've hit the nail perfectly on the head there in that people don't like seeing ads. And that's something Niantic has done ridiculously successfully because many mobile games, I'm sure anyone who's played a free mobile game before has experienced this. They haven't in-game currency and every five minutes you'll be able to watch an ad that you'll tediously sit through to get plus one to this in-game currency. Niantic, with Ingress as a specific example because this has been fully implemented already, I mentioned their partnerships with AXA and Lawson, which are various corporations. Those are items in the game that have been given the names of these companies that are basically souped up extremely rare, extremely powerful versions of other in-game items that you can get through normal gameplay. You can't just outright purchase them. You get them just by playing normally. And whenever someone gets them, when they're playing with a group of people, they go, oh, sweet, 
I got an AXA. People go, oh, cool, an advertisement. I have never heard that before. And in Pokemon Go, it's the same thing for businesses that already happen to be Pokestops in the game. They'll go, oh, sweet, this restaurant's a Pokestop. People are actually getting excited over advertisements because the advertisement is something they can directly benefit from. Yeah, absolutely. And And you're not viewing it as an advertisement. Exactly. You're going, oh, sweet, this is something I want. And it also happens to be beneficial for the company that's name is on it. And I imagine companies are going to be absolutely flocking towards Niantic trying to get their locations submitted in the near future because it's such a perfect way of marketing the game. And it is such a massive potential revenue source. And you mentioned uh, Niantic's valuation not being near Twitter's, and that's absolutely correct. Uh, When Niantic announced Pokemon Go, they said that Nintendo, Game Freak, the Pokemon Company, International, whatever conglomerate of those corporations it actually was, had given them $30 million in startup funding, and that was seen as absolutely immense by everyone involved. Six days ago, about eight hours into the launch of Pokemon Go, it overtook Clash of Clans as the best-selling mobile app of the week in six hours. That's nuts. That never happens. Do we have any figures on how much money they've made in the past week or how much money per day they're making or anything like that? Unfortunately, we don't because that information is kept very heavily under wraps. But we do know from a long, long history of Supercell, which is the company making Clash of Clans, that they make millions of dollars a day, probably even tens of millions of dollars a day. In six to eight hours... Pokemon Go had made more money on the uh, App Store on Apple. And I think about four hours after that, it overtook these games on the Android Play Store as well. Do you have any idea what their contract, what Niantic, what their contract looks like with Nintendo? Like, did Nintendo, does Nintendo just want to get Pokemon out there? So they're like, hey, like, you have all the rights to this game. You'll have all the rights to the in-game purchases and all that kind of stuff. We just, you know, want this game. Or does was Niantic basically paid to make the game and now Nintendo was actually the one getting all the money? I I don't imagine Nintendo was just doing it to get the word of Pokemon out there as such. Uh, That doesn't exactly sound like something Nintendo would do. But no, unfortunately, we don't have any idea of the exact structure of this corporate hierarchy is going down. But Niantic is heavily in charge of the actual game. It's published as a Niantic game. They're the ones who put it on the Play Stores. They're the ones who are marketing it predominantly. Yeah, you never, when you launch the game, you never even see Nintendo's name anywhere. It's just not even, I I, I like almost forgot that Pokemon was created by Nintendo. I was like, oh, I I never knew it, but Pokemon was created by this Niantic company. Like I I totally forgot about Nintendo. Yeah, it's, Niantic is very much the forefront of Pokemon Go as a, a video game. And that's probably unsurprising, considering even though they are using Nintendo's Pokemon, so Nintendo's Pokemon intellectual property, the game itself is very heavily based upon Ingress, which Niantic owns. So it's, it's a symbiotic relationship, really. Niantic are giving their resources and their game engine to Nintendo in exchange for being allowed to use Nintendo's immensely culturally popular brands and assets. So we talked about the 
interesting and exploding business opportunities within the Pokemon Go realm for like Pokestops and uh, gyms and stuff like that. I feel like we as people have always been so like quick to jump on bandwagons and things. So it's like if you think about in this area, um, we had the 49ers back in the day that like came here during the gold rush to to pay them for gold. What I would have to imagine is like, okay, first the people come to Pam for gold. Now, the next thing that happens is other people come to the area. They're like, oh, crap, I'm going to open up a general store here or I'm going to open up a grocery store. I'm going to open up whatever it is, um, you know, that that can kind of support this infrastructure um, tangentially. And I'll be able to make money with that. Have you seen other products and businesses start to spring up as a result of Pokemon Go now? Well, I'm a moderator of a Pokemon Go subreddit, which means I get a lot of contact from people who want to post things to the subreddit and advertise through the subreddit. And we're getting a constant stream of posts from people who want to advertise, you know, shirts or bracelets or stickers, decals or phone covers or so on that are Pokemon Go related. And as you can probably guess, a lot of this is unlicensed and technically illegal, and we don't allow it on the subreddit for that reason. But it's apparent that there's hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, people trying to sell merchandise for Pokemon Go already in the week it's been out. We've got a, a bit of word from... a. Uh, the PR company behind the Pokemon uh, Company International, but they're getting licensed or uh, otherwise official merchandise in progress, but because of a bureaucratic process, that's going to take forever. Mm. There's, as I mentioned earlier, there's restaurants and cafes and coffee shops in this kind of place paying people to stay at those locations <laughs> playing right. the game, which is unbelievable. I heard the other day, is this, is this a rumor that people are, like, um, getting paid to, like, coach other people in Pokemon Go? I, I haven't heard of that one myself. I imagine it's probably not a uh, phenomenally true statement. There might be someone who has been paid to help someone play the game, but it's definitely not a viable career choice right now. <laughs> yeah. but there's Twitch streamers who are playing Pokemon Go. They're streaming from their phone who, are, who do this as their job. They play video games on Twitch for their job, and they're playing Pokemon Go right now. So they are getting played... Sorry, they are getting paid to play the game. So there's definitely a lot of people who've looked into this as not only a game and an activity and a hobby, but also as a business opportunity. And it, a lot of people have this kind of inherently negative attitude towards... Ooh, corporations, but it's honestly stunning to see such a quick uptake on this kind of thing. And it really demonstrates just how much of an impact Pokemon Go has already had that businesses the world over are already starting to take notice. Yeah, usually that does not happen in one week. I mean, it's uh it's incredible. Even things that even things that explode really quickly, like something like Snapchat. I mean, a lot of businesses are kind of like just getting on the ball with Snapchat, you know, and that uh, that's been out for quite some time now to for seven days in for a whole bunch of people to be scrambling. Like, how do we become a part of this? It's truly amazing. A lot of businesses still use fax machines. 
<laughs> so the fact that they've picked up on a new video game within a week of launch is spectacularly impressive. And just goes to show you what the true worth is of what Pokemon Go can provide these businesses. Because I think that's, you know, I, I guess to the point of Twitter's valuation and them doing typical advertisements or, you know, businesses taking a while to get on the Snapchat bandwagon or, or any other bandwagon for that matter. Because it's just like, okay, it's just a different place to put my ads. Pokemon is obviously doing something so novel and so directly able to impact these businesses that they're like, shit, I need to get on this now. Like, not, not two weeks from now. I need to get on this right now. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's something that's become so large so quickly that everyone is taking notice. All right, man. Let's, um, let's take it back to the game itself for a little while uh, away from the business side of things. So, um, first of all, how many different Pokemon are there in the game? At the moment, there's only the first generation of Pokemon. So people in their you know, mid to late 20s are probably rejoicing at this news. But so it, it's the Pokemon that were in the red, green, blue, and yellow games. So the original 151. The legendary Pokemon, so uh, Zapdos, Moltres, Articuno, Mew, if you count Mew, and Mewtwo, aren't currently available in the game. They're presumably going to be left for special events of some description, but we don't have any information about that yet. So technically there's, I think, 146 you can catch in-game. It's very heavily implied that as the game grows and they get more people on to actually handle the sheer amount of people playing it, they're going to add in each generation one by one to just keep a continual stream of additional content to the game. But yeah, for now, it's the it's first so great. They already have so much built in, uh, just like upgrades ready to roll because there's already been so many previous Pokemon made. It's so yeah, so exactly. Easy for them. That's. It's a, a really good content strategy, in my opinion, is to have a decent swathe of content. This is something that the, the original 151 Pokemon were enough to make the most popular game of all time. So clearly that's going to be a good start. But they also have the ability to just, whenever they feel the content's getting stale, they can just add in another 100 or 200 Pokemon. Yeah. So you mentioned the four. Uh, so I don't know too much about Pokemon. I'm sure um, a lot of people listening to this maybe don't know too much. So you mentioned four legendary Pokemon. So are there various rarities of Pokemon? Uh, to a certain extent, there's not any kind of official rarity of Pokemon beyond a Pokemon and a legendary Pokemon. Whereas a, le- uh, a legendary Pokemon is in the games, a, in, in the handheld games, like on the Game Boy or the Nintendo DS or so on, is a single Pokemon. It only exists once in the game, whereas all of the others you can catch a significant number of them if you were to try. Uh, And are usually tied to storyline elements. And the implication is that in Pokemon Go, it's going to be the same thing. You're only going to be able to get one of them, although many people may be able to get the same one. Uh, And they're going to be tied to some kind of large event within the game. Apart from that... Although the other 140-something Pokemon are technically the same rarity in that there's not a limited supply of them as such, there are some that are going to be easier to find than others. For instance, uh, I'm not sure if the names are going to mean much to certain people, but like Rattata, Pidgey, uh, Spearow, those are going to be very common. Like It's a rat, a pigeon, and a sparrow. 
those are animals that are very common. So the Pokemon are very common. Whereas Pokemon that are more exotic animals as such are going to be a lot harder to find. There's, if I can come up with examples, there's like Lapras, which is a sweet sea-dwelling creature, I think based loosely off the Loch Ness Monster. Hmm. Um, I hope I'm not completely wrong there, but that's what <laughs> it reminds me of. So, as you might expect, that one can be particularly tricky to find. It's still readily available, and a lot of people have found Lapras in their game already, but there's definitely not anywhere near the uh, supply of them as there are the more common types of animals. And And any of the water-dwelling ones like that, you have to actually go to the water to be able to find them? To a certain extent, yeah. Uh, I believe they can spawn nearly anywhere but they're significantly more likely to spawn near you know creeks rivers lakes the ocean so on uh, I, I believe the rarer you know water type pokemon for example because i guess that's the most clearly obvious difference in land masses um those i believe the rarer water type pokemon are only going to spawn near water areas whereas more common ones are just more common out for water areas than elsewhere but it's definitely something where if you really want if you really want a magma which is a fire pokemon you can go to a volcano and there will be more magma there which is a really amazing aspect of the gameplay and it's something people have wanted for decades what an so incredible feat in coding it's honestly amazing yeah they they're getting a um just a database of real world biomes like whether something's a forest, it's an industrial area, whether it's suburban, whether it's, you know, water or grass or stone or so on, uh, which is an immense amount of data collection. But once they've got that, all they really need to do is say, well, this area has a lot of water in it, so make water Pokemon more likely to spawn. So it's it's really just a matter of the execution that needed to be done really well. And while they haven't completely finished the biomes uh, in terms of making Pokemon spawn in these specific locations. For instance, there's a a glacier biome, which I imagine for many people is going to be particularly difficult to get to because glaciers don't exist on some continents. Yeah. And I I don't believe that has been fully implemented yet. But it's definitely, from what I've played so far, I've gone to a lake and caught a bunch of water Pokemon. Then I've gone into the hills and caught a bunch of mountain Pokemon. So it's... Very engaging in that aspect that if you want to do something specific, you can go to a real-world location where those actual animals would be. So it sounds like it's not very random, and that's what it seemed like to me. So like from me now playing this for a few days near my house, I would say 70% of the time, it's the same maybe 10 things that pop up on my screen then another 20% of the time, it's the same next 10 things. Then the last 10% of the time, it's like these other 10 things. So total near my house, I've only seen about 30 different things. And there's about like three standard deviations of like how common these things are to come up. Does that seem pretty normal? And if I were to drive to a very fully different area of San Francisco, would it likely be a different 30 or so Pokemon that I would come across? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I spent the initial launch of a game in Sydney, which is uh, the largest city in Australia, and I'm now currently speaking from Adelaide, which is where I live. And in Sydney, 
at the house I was staying, the nearby was almost entirely very common kind of suburban or city Pokemon. Uh, Rattata, Pidgey, Spearow are the most common examples, as I mentioned earlier, which is a rat, a pigeon, and a sparrow. At my house, uh, because I live near the Adelaide Hills, I'm getting a lot of rock-type Pokemon and ground-type Pokemon that are significantly rarer, usually, because not many people live near mountains, at least in Australia. Uh, And these are in plentiful supply around my area. I'm getting about the same amount of unique Pokemon, and you're right, it's about 25 to 30 in a small area around any specific location, um, as I was getting in Sydney. But they're completely different. Okay. You know, some overlap, but from simply doing, say, a one kilometer uh, radius around my house and a one kilometer radius of the house I was staying at in Sydney, there's probably be about 50 different Pokemon there. And then if you got another house, you know, in uh, a wetlands area, for example, you'd be able to get another 15 or so that you haven't seen before elsewhere. So... You can travel all over a city or even all over a country or even to a different continent and find different Pokemon. Uh, To use a good example, Kangaskhan, which, as you might be able to guess, is based off the kangaroo, is only available in Australia. Tauros, which is based off of a bull, I think. That's what Taurus means, right? Taurus is only available in the United States. If you want to get every Pokemon, you have to travel. You have to explore the world. That's what the game is about. Yeah, or you I mean, that really brings it... To, Sorry, go ahead. Or you could wait for them to implement trading and then find someone who'd been to the other country. But, you know, that's the general gist of things is that exploration is a hugely important factor in the game. And that really brings it full circle to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the podcast, which is to say you could laugh all you want if you if you think that this is dorky or stupid or let's say you're going for a run and you notice some kid on their phone who's like tapping their phone um and you're like oh that's that's stupid that's hey come on kid like this is the real world like you don't you you know you shouldn't just be on your phone all the time well what's so great about this is that like you said maybe you decide to plan an extra vacation that you wouldn't have planned otherwise or maybe um because of what we were just saying about having maybe 25 to 30 pokemon in any given like about kilometer radius area or mile radius area, maybe you decide to go for a run. That Maybe you usually do go for a run. And normally you run for about a half mile or maybe like one kilometer or something. But you know that if you were to run for a mile and a half instead of a half mile, when you get about a mile and a half away, all these different types of Pokemon start popping up. You're probably going to run for a mile and a half now versus before when you would have only run for a half mile. And there's nothing stupid or silly or dorky about that that's just awesome that's just an enriching life experience um and it doesn't matter what the what the onus for that was it's just a great thing yeah it's it's a very common uh as people who play like ARGs frequently like to say a problem in that you'll go to get milk and come home four days later (laughs) that is great I love that yeah, I that's so funny that you just said that. Like just yesterday I went for I went for a run and I I ended up coming back to my house like probably about like an hour and a half later and I usually run for about like 15 minutes or something. So, I uh I definitely feel you, man. So, do the uh 
Are, are there areas in general that are better for catching Pokemon than others? Like, are are Pokemon more dense in certain densely populated in certain areas than they are in others? Uh, yes, definitely. the The spawning of Pokemon is pretty heavily dependent on location services usage, uh, which is also just as a side effect, pretty heavily dependent on where people go with their phones already. So it's a bit unfortunate in that. You know, you're not going to find particularly many Pokemon in the middle of an unvisited jungle, which hopefully is improved in the future because that is something that would be very exciting to do. But at the moment, you're going to find the most Pokemon like on walking trails or around parks and reserves or just anywhere that people conglomerate and walk around quite regularly. Okay. So something I've wondered is... Like right now, my guy isn't very high level because I, you know, I haven't been playing the game all that much. Um, and I'll click on the gyms that are near me, and you can see the level of the Pokemon at those gyms. And I want to, I, I have reached level five now, so it's like I want to try battling at these gyms um, since that's part of the game. But it's like, let's say my Pokemon have a, a CP rating, uh, which, by the way, just so everyone knows, like you really need to. Google stuff, go on YouTube, and more importantly, uh, go on the Reddit. Like, the Reddit is so, so great, and that's why I wanted to have Sebastian on. So, um, because the the game doesn't explain a lot of things to you, but it looks like CP stands for combat power, and, like, that's a good representation of how well your Pokemon is going to do against another Pokemon at a gym. So, if I have a Pokemon that has a CP rating of, like, 200, and that's, like, the best I can do right now because I'm only, like, level 5 or level 6 or something... And I click on all the Poke Gyms around me, and all the Pokemon that are that are at these gyms defending them are like 800 CP, 1,000 CP, 1,200, 1,400 CP. Can I even go and fight them, or do I just have to keep finding Pokemon for now? And if that is the case, that I can't really fight them, I need to keep leveling up, well, aren't these other people going to keep on leveling up their level 1,200, their level 1,400 people at the same rate that I'm leveling up my lower people, so they're always just going to be markedly better than mine, so I'm never even really going to get to fight at a gym. Not necessarily, because importantly, for starters, you can take six Pokemon into a gym battle, like you can in the original Pokemon games. So if your 200 CP Pokemon doesn't manage to uh, knock out the 800 CP Pokemon, you can just swap to your next best Pokemon and then try with that. But... The but do they do they refresh thing. their life when that happens, or like whatever damage the 200 yeah. CP dude did, they're going to stay damaged, and now you swap in a fully healthy one. For the one battle where you have six Pokemon, it's one continuous battle. Their Pokemon will stay damaged when you swap to the second Pokemon. If all of your six Pokemon faint, and then you go back in to start the battle again after having either revived them or selected other Pokemon, then they will have restored HP if you didn't defeat them. But you'll be able to fight with six, one after another, without them having the chance to recover. But I think the most important thing is teamwork. You can team up with another player. I think it has to be from the same team that you're on, but I'm not certain on that. And you can fight a gym two versus one or three versus one. You can get 500 people at once, and this has happened, and do as many people as you want. Um, conglomerating on these specific locations to take that location. And I guarantee you that it's the community of an ARG is the most important thing. 
any player in that region would be delighted to help a newer player or a lower level player get some success in playing the game for their team and will be more than happy to help you get those gym victories and get your Pokemon higher level. And it's also of note that while a gym will have a leader, which is just dictated by who has the strongest Pokemon deployed on that gym, you can then train at a gym that is owned by your faction by battling your own Pokemon or the Pokemon of your teammates, and that will make your gym stronger. The stronger your gym is, the more Pokemon that can be put on it at the same time. And the more Pokemon that can be put on it at the same time means the more people that can put their Pokemon on it. So although a gym may have an 800 CP Pokemon currently defending it, if it's owned by your faction, you can then train at that gym and then add your 200 CP Pokemon to be the first line of defense against anyone that's going to be attacking it. And while a 200 CP Pokemon may not sound like a huge you know, stalwart in defense, people have to beat that and the 800 CP Pokemon, and people might not be able to do both. So even if you are a lower level player and feel a bit intimidated by the region around you, it's important to always remember that every little bit helps in a team game, and it is a team game. There will be people who are more than happy to help. You just need to have a look around and try to get in contact with some of them. That sounds great, man. So let's talk about bridging that gap between the 200-level Pokemon and the 1,000-level Pokemon. How do we do that? Um, You mentioned that we can train at our own gym, like do these mock battles against our friends, as it were, um, like friendly Pokemon. Will that help level up our Pokemon, or do we just have to keep on catching more Pokemon and feeding them little candies or whatever to, to get our Pokemon to level up? Training at a gym won't level up the Pokemon you're training at that gym. It only levels up the gym and makes the gym stronger in general. To level up a a specific Pokemon, you can either evolve it, if that's applicable, some Pokemon you obviously can't evolve, or you can use uh, some in-game items to power it up to a certain point. It's slightly limited by your not only your level in the game but also the specific pokemon for instance you're probably not going to be able to get a pidgey powered up to the same level as you know a charizard but you you can give a bit of an advantage to a specific pokemon you want to be stronger but the best way in the early game before about say level 20 or so the best way is to just get to a higher level first by fighting gyms or by capturing as many Pokemon as you want or by visiting a ton of Pokestops. Get yourself to a higher level. Get your character to a higher level, not your Pokemon. That's correct. Uh, From a purely gameplay perspective, the optimal strategy is to get your player character to a higher level as quickly as possible. And I, I think the best way of doing that is to just play the game as you want to play it initially, to not worry about the competitive aspect early on and just have fun and you'll find the levels fly by if you do that and now when you are at a higher level uh, i i assume you're kind of insinuating that you will then find already higher level pokemon when you yourself are a higher level yeah that's correct you've the you can still find very low level pokemon very low cp pokemon at a high level but the higher level you are, the more likely it is for you to find extremely powerful Pokemon. Not necessarily rare Pokemon, but the same type of Pokemon that just happen to be stronger. And the higher you can power them up to as well. Okay. 
So something that we didn't really talk much about in the interview, but that I've noticed in the game is that, um, again, for people with no sort of education on Pokemon at all, is the Pokemon usually have like two or three evolutions that they can go through, like where you have a Pokemon and you like put all this stuff into it and it like fully transforms into a different, better, higher level Pokemon that usually looks way more badass and intimidating and stuff. So um, if if we're just out in the wild, I, I believe I found already like a couple of level two Pokemon, um, like, you know, the second transformation of a Pokemon. Um, how often can that happen? And does that kind of stuff start to happen more often as you get to a higher level? Like you're more likely to find a Pokemon that's already a level two or already a third transformation of a Pokemon. I don't believe you're, you have any increased likelihood of finding evolved Pokemon in the wild based on your level. It is reasonably common, depending on the type of Pokemon, to find already evolved Pokemon. But it is important to note that very much true to the original story of the games and the TV show, this is meant to be kind of a bond between you and the Pokemon. So... A Pokemon you catch at a low level at the at its first evolution and then evolve yourself will almost always be stronger than a pre-evolved Pokemon that you catch in a wild. If you find, to use uh, the Charmander, Charmeleon, and Charizard line of Pokemon as an example, if you somehow find a Charizard in the wild, which is ridiculously rare and take screenshots of that and brag to everyone but if you find a charizard in a wild it will be weaker than if you found a charmander and then evolve that into a charmeleon and then evolve that charmeleon into a charizard okay but either way eventually you could beef up whatever it is that you found by just feeding it treats and stuff like that that's correct yes okay cool cool Interesting. All right, man. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, about the Reddit. So, how many people are currently on the Reddit? And talk about some of the other Reddit stats, because obviously you guys have been blowing up just like the game has. Uh, I'll just refresh. Right now, this second, there are thirty four thousand eight hundred forty one people on the subreddit. Uh, we're receiving uh, this second. Over... By the way, is what you mean when you say right now. You mean like at this moment there are that many people viewing it? Yeah, I, I mean right now they have the page open and are on the subreddit looking at it right now. We're receiving uh, about sixteen, fifteen to sixteen million page views a day right now. So quite a lot. Uh, we're currently receiving. In the first week, because we've just passed the one-week point of when our data's available since launch, uh, in the first week of the game being out, the subreddit accrued 92 million views from 8 million unique users. So 8 million people came to our subreddit and had a look at it. To put that into a bit of perspective, that is, that is more views to the Pokemon Go subreddit than the top three other subreddits combined. It's about triple the amount of League of Legends, which is the most popular other gaming subreddit on the website. So this is an immense amount of traffic. This is something that has never been seen before in terms of the not only volume, but also consistency of traffic. We've been doing this for a week straight now. It's absolutely incredible. And like we were talking about before the show, I feel like it's really the perfect storm for you guys because not only is it such a popular and viral thing right now, 
But the game is so poorly explained by the game itself. I mean, you know, the very, very basics of the game are explained in the game. But if you want to know, like, anything more, um, you you have to, like, seek that information out. So it just makes sense that people are going to end up on the Reddit because they need to learn how to play. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually a very deliberate tactic by Niantic that they've done successfully with Ingress as well, because it clearly generates a lot of buzz and a lot of SEO for their game. About 46% of our 8 million users come to us directly from Google. So they've Googled Pokemon Go and then clicked on our link. So there's an immense amount of traffic being directed online from this game. And Niantic know what they're doing. They have generated larger numbers than we have ever seen before on this game. That is honestly so funny and so smart. Like how in business, in marketing and all these things, they often say to like zig when other people are zagging, you know? And like, if you notice that you're doing the same thing as everyone else, like do something different. And how funny that in this day and time when everyone is trying to like make everything as easy as possible, you have to make it as easy and simple and absolutely simple as possible. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to like get people's attention. People don't have enough attention. They're just going to walk away from it if you don't spell everything out for them perfectly. Meanwhile, Niantic is purposely trying to do the exact opposite because then that just generates more buzz and more searching for their game. That is honestly genius. Exactly, because the trick is to get their attention. Niantic said, we're letting you catch Pokemon in real life. That got people's attention. They didn't need to do anything more than that. They just needed to release it, and people would be generating the buzz for them. And, yeah, if if you're releasing a game that no one really knows, and you're desperately trying to get as many people playing it as possible, you want to have it, you know engaging you want people to be able to actually pick it up and start playing it and not just get frustrated and leave but if you have something that people already want to play if you can get them going online and talking about it and sharing everything they've learned they are doing your job for you they're marketing the game without you having to spend a cent so it's a very deliberate ploy by Niantic and something that's not only very successful for them, but very successful for all of the fan-made communities like our own that have propped up to kind of fill this void of information and very successful in getting people to band together and meet their own you know, teammates and even opposition locally and share what they know about the game. It's so, 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 so smart. I feel like the people at that company must all have like PhDs in psychology or something. The the type of customer that you are going to make, if you make it so that customer has to basically get involved in a community around your product is going to be so much stronger of a customer than if you had just spelled everything out for them. Um, as soon as you go out of your way to start Googling things about something or watching YouTube videos about something, you're so much more likely to, to feel connected to that and to feel like, yeah, I should, I should go ahead and play for 10 minutes today. I mean, I just watched a freaking 10 minute YouTube video, so I better play for 10 minutes today. Um, there is, it's just so incredibly smart of them. Yeah, it's, that's definitely true. And I think that's very eloquently summed up by, Just simply a graph of the amount of time people spend on mobile apps per day. For instance, Instagram, people spend about 15 minutes on it a day. Twitter averages about 18 minutes, as does Snapchat. Facebook, for the last six years, has been the reigning king of average time spent in app. 
with the average Facebook user spending 22 minutes a day on Facebook. Pokemon Go is currently averaging 33 and a half minutes in app time per user. That is mind-boggling for people who've been looking at these metrics and studying them for the last decade. And it's something that is only existing because of the way Niantic have set up the game to specifically encourage dedicated players and people who are involved in the game and not just playing it because they have nothing else to do. And it's something that's proving to be immensely successful for them. Yeah, it's great. What are some of the most common types of posts that you see on your Reddit? Uh, At the moment, the most common kinds of posts we get are either uh, people asking for help, uh, especially during the initial launch of a game, like the first two or three days, with a lot of issues with the game, particularly with the servers, where a lot of people asking, is this a bug? Uh, Am I, uh, I can't log in, is there an issue, and so on. But right now, it's mostly people asking, you know, there's this mechanic of the game I don't particularly understand. Can anyone help explain it to me? We also get a lot of posts of people showing off what they've accomplished in the game. I'm, I'm doing hand gestures for some reason. I'm not sure why. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of posts of people showing off what they've accomplished in the game, like particularly rare or strong Pokemon they've managed to catch or train that they really like. Uh, and the AR screenshots, which we haven't actually touched on, you can turn on your camera and have a feed of the real world like the actual grass you're standing on the background and so on and a an ar version of that pokemon will be displayed kind of dancing across the screen in the real world and you can take screenshots of pokemon models interacting with the real world i actually just took one uh, a couple days ago and posted it to the half hour intern instagram of uh of this really angry looking pokemon with the car about to hit it and it was like about to head for downtown san francisco it's pretty awesome yeah and we're getting a lot of uh this alternate reality or augmented reality content as well of people using this new technology to kind of show off their creativity and promote the game so we're getting to, to be honest, we're, we're just getting a lot of everything. We're getting the largest amount of traffic out of any subreddit. So it, it's a lot of everything. I can't even imagine, oh, sorry, I can't even hope to list all of the types of content we're getting on mass. What's the strangest post you've seen? Um, I, what's the, uh, the content rating of this podcast? Oh yeah, you can say whatever you want. Okay, well... We, we do get a, a frankly disturbing amount of photos of the AR screenshots of people with um, inappropriate parts of themselves included. Just like Pokemon but, dick pics all over the place. Yeah, we've had to remove quite a number of those. <laughs> um, it's so funny that post- like people are... Uh, like, no matter what the thing is, people somehow like do dick pics with it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's... It's not the best of humanity, but I suppose there is a little bit of, you know, lighthearted brevity in it. (laughs) It's just, we're getting such a ridiculous amount of content, such a ridiculous amount of hype for that content, so much activity, so many people joining in on this community. And some of the AR posts are absolutely fantastic. There was one, there was someone managed to find a Snorlax inside a Walmart and just posted called people of walmart (laughs) of course of course 
So it's very uh, heartening to see the kind of humor and creativity that the subreddit and the game and community is spawning. So yeah. we're having quite a lot of fun keeping an eye on that. Um, a lot of a, a lot less fun trying to make sure it's you know that kind of content is what's getting visible. But you know it, it's it's something we do out of love for the game. Yeah. Sebastian, let's go ahead and wind this thing down with some tips for new players. But really quickly before that, tell us what your top three Pokemon are and why. Oh, Jesus. This was not on the docket of things to talk about. (laughs) I mean, don't feel Uh, like the other Pokemon are going to be like angry if they hear you saying it, you know? uh, It's got to be Charizard first, surely. I think that that would have to be the most common pick for the number one coolest Pokemon. Uh, I'm I'm not really sure why it just looks the best out of the. This is only out of the original 151, I should say. Okay, that's that's what I'm going to focus on here, especially considering that's what's available in Pokemon Go right now. Okay, so um, we got Charizard uh, number one. Yep, number two, I'd have to say Porygon, which is the kind of red and blue angled digital-ish one, and it, I kind of resonate with that considering my career is in. Uh, computing and technology and it was actually in the beta of pokemon go that was the first pokemon i caught which is really weird considering how rare it is so i i resonated with that quite a bit and thirdly i really don't know um maybe lapras just because i really like the design which one is that lapras is the one i I hope, because I've already said this, I hope, loosely based on the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, um, right, right, right. A a water Pokemon that's kind of... Hopefully that will be enough to uh, have people visualize it because I'm not a good describer of aesthetics. I think you've been good so far. All right, so let's uh, let's finish thing out, Sebastian. Um, What sort of tips would you like to give to new players of the game? If people have heard this, they're inspired, they want to pick it up, or maybe they just picked it up, but they don't really know what the hell's going on. The single most important thing, as I mentioned earlier, is community. ARGs, and especially Pokemon, are all about community. They're all about teamwork. They're all about friendship and working together. That's the most important thing you can possibly do, is to find other like-minded people, team up with them, and have fun. But in addition to that, I'd also like to really put a focus on making sure you're going out and about, and you're doing things that you wouldn't normally do. If You can get a lot of Pokemon just by doing a one-kilometer walk around your house that you do every day anyway, just as kind of a fitness regime. But not only are you going to get a lot more of an advantage in-game from going to a different place every day, but you're also going to have more fun. It's more refreshing. It's just a you'll find more. You'll learn more about the community you've been living in your entire life. And it's, it's something that just can't be understated in terms of the value to the human conscience Man. that you can gain from exploring the entire world. You've got a planet available to you. You can explore a couple of suburbs over. Yeah, hell yeah, man. A planet of places, a planet of Pokemon. I love it, dude. It's so good. Um, 
Sebastian, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you doing this so quickly. I wanted, I wanted to get this episode turned around quickly since it's like a hot topic right now in case people were on the fence about downloading it or whatever. So we really appreciate all the info and uh, you've been a great teacher, man. Thank you. Absolutely no problem. As I said earlier, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking. Hey everyone, it's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode with Sebastian and you're ready to go out there and catch a ton of Pokemon or go for a really long run or like just get out there and explore your neighborhood. It really is a really fun, cool way to get out into the world and maybe see some areas around your house or your city that you never saw before. I uh, I cannot recommend it more highly. Um, this Thursday's episode is going to be another really interesting, cool one. I interview a forensic pathologist. So if you have ever wondered what it's like dissecting a body and trying to figure out how it is that somebody died, then Thursday's episode is for you. Thanks so much for listening to the show.